0: Inspiring. Inspiring. Empowering. Empowering. With the concepts shared by Eric Thurwinger, you can reach your goals and achieve greater results. Think Think great. Great, your pathway to success. Ready to get started?
1: Hey, everybody. This is Eric Thurwinger, and I want to welcome you back to another exciting episode of Think Great, your pathway to success. As we continue on our journey together, I'm committed to sharing new concepts, strategies, and techniques That will support your personal transformation, your goals, and the results you desire. You know, as a speaker, I have the opportunity to travel around the country and share concepts from my six books. I train and develop people in the areas of sales, goal setting, strategic planning, team building, you name it. But my most requested topic is leadership. Business leaders, owners, entrepreneurs, they're all striving to be better leaders, If you looked up leadership on Google right now, there's 813 million results. If you look it up on Amazon, there's 216,000 results. And if you look up the word leader in the online dictionaries, it's in the top 1% of all words searched. So people are interested in enhancing their leadership skills, but everyone has a different idea of what it means to be a leader or what it means to being led. For me, my leadership journey began on August 24, 1987 when I entered boot camp for the United States Marine Corps. There was yelling and screaming and name-calling, but through it all, they developed us as leaders using the 14 leadership traits and 11 leadership principles of the Marine Corps. Having the foundation of leadership increases your chances for success. In the Marines, everyone was developed as a leader. In fact, if you go to their website right now, it'll say on there that every Marine is a leader. Regardless of our rank we were expected to walk, talk, and act like a leader. This is a concept I like to refer to as leadership at all levels. In my leadership development sessions and speaking engagements, I teach ways to plant leadership seeds at every level in every team member so strong leadership grows, which forms the foundation that you can build anything on. So for me, finding people with a passion for leadership and understanding the power of building leaders is one of the greatest experiences that I have. So it's with the highest levels of enthusiasm that I'm able to introduce today's guest. Phil Mackey is a talk show host at 1500 ESPN. He is the Mackey of the Mackey and Judge Show. He's the content director for Podcast One Minnesota, and the position that I love the most, he's the producer for our podcast here. He's been an integral part of our team, and he helps me to get my message out through all of our episodes. Phil is not only a fan of Think Great, but he's a professional development junkie, always striving to improve his own game. In fact, he's a member of our leadership development program, The Leadership Link, which is a 12-month deep dive into each chapter of my book, The Leadership Connection. And today, Phil and I are going to talk about the leader in all of us. You know, let me just say this. I know that you and I have had the opportunity to talk, whether it's in one of my programs at a speaking event or even out to dinner. And inevitably, leadership comes up. It comes up when you talk about our podcast. It comes up when you talk about your own work and all the different titles you have. And I think for a lot of people, maybe you agree with this, it can be a little bit overwhelming or daunting just being in the role of the leader.
0: Yeah, it's. Um, I, you and I were actually just talking off microphone about, I, I feel like a lot of the conversation about leadership and about being a better leader sort of stops at that, right? The, the direction of well, just be a better leader. Go, go ahead. Be a better leader. And um, I think what I like about whether it's the you know the, the formal sessions with the leadership link or just the discussions that you and I have had. And then I think this some of the stuff carries over into into our Hubbard culture too. The deeper dive into what it means and um, the, the thing that's resonated the most with me is the fact that you don't have to be in a management position to be a leader. And so often it feels like people, whether it's in companies or just in your daily life, they maybe forego potential leadership opportunities, even if it's just in daily tasks, because they're not in a management position. But if you just took away all titles and business cards and, and labels of, of people in companies or people in life, um, if If you had to have a label or a title in order to be a leader, then what would the incentive be you know you, then 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 how would you ever become or 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 climb a ladder in some form if that makes sense? It does make sense. I think people confuse it a lot, and I think just as we 've talked before
1: i don 't think there 's a clear cut path to becoming a leader and so in most companies they train on they 'll train on their products and services they 'll train on their industry they 'll train on sales. And yet the foundation of the company should be leadership, and people hold the position, but they don't always understand the purpose. And that's why I think that having that concept that there's a leader in all of us is so huge.
0: Yeah. You know, one thing that uh, that has really stood out in, in just paying attention to great leadership, and whether it's through conversations with you or just – I'm a big – I like to read. And so I like to read about Richard Branson, and I like to read about Steve Jobs and – Actually, one of the the best books I've ever read in this in this sort of uh, realm is by Nolan Bushnell, the founder of Atari and the founder of Chuck E. Cheese, which is weird <laughs> that the same guy founded Atari and Chuck E. Cheese, but um, which are both great. Yes, absolutely, and I I still have an Atari to this day with Pong <laughs> and uh, Pitfall and different games. Yeah. But he he hired Steve Jobs to work at Atari back in the 1970s, and I think whether it's through just you know, reading about some of the top company leaders in the history of our country, understanding what your purpose is, understanding what your mission is, and understanding why you're doing something is so important. And so if you can properly and clearly explain why something is important, from telling your kids to do their chores and explaining why it's important, or whether it's delegating a task to somebody in the workplace, explaining why it's important has become such a central focus in my mind in almost every conversation and almost everything I do both at work and in personal life. Yeah, I think that lacking that purpose,
1: I think, gives them or takes away from them the self-confidence they need because they think they need to follow a system with leadership. But I think the great leaders like you're mentioning, they're more focused on not necessarily the protocol of being a leader, but that purpose where they make an impact in somebody's life. And I think oftentimes we're looking for a roadmap on leadership where um, we want to know the exact step to take and the exact thing to say, but everything is situational with leadership. It doesn't fall into a workflow. And so, when we don't develop ourselves as leaders or plant those seeds at all levels, it becomes very
0: challenging, and we lose our own focus as leaders. Yeah. how much how much would you say that just being decisive, just the the, the act of being decisive, how much would you? Because I think when I think of bad leadership qualities or people who aren't good leaders, I do think I do think that they don't explain why something's important. They may be bad communicators, but a lot of times it might be that someone doesn't act doesn't make a decision, implement something, go, instead of being uh, wishy-washy or unsure. Mm -hmm. At some point, I think the value of just acting and making a decision with some purpose behind it, uh, I see a lot of people fail in that regard. And I see, like, even in my family and, and friends and myself sometimes, moments where... You know, if I would have just made a decision, I would have been able to live with it more (laughs) than if I was like wishy-washy and missed an opportunity in some regard.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think that, you know, indecision is a decision or inaction is an action. And when I first went into the Marine Corps, even though everything was chaotic in boot camp, they were crystal clear in the expectations of being a leader. And one of the leadership traits is decisiveness. And I think we acknowledge that decisiveness makes sense when lives are at stake. So in the military and you go into combat, you have to be decisive. As an air traffic controller in the Marine Corps, we, there were lives at stake, so we had to be decisive. We had to give commands right away. But I think that we sometimes lose that, that focus or that purpose in the business sector, and we think we can take more time. But the lack of being decisive sends a message And it sends a message that maybe we don't know as much as we think. It sends a message that maybe we're afraid to make a decision. It it sends a message that maybe there's not a strong foundation of leadership here. Mm -hmm. And so I think that when leaders don't act upon something, when they don't take the action they need to, there's a lack of decisiveness, I think sometimes that's just a result of their leadership culture. So they may be afraid as a leader that their own leader will question their judgment. And so when you look at decisiveness – you have to people who are taking initiative can be more decisive people who have been delegated to can be more decisive but
0: i think also establishing those boundaries for failure too yeah th- that's it i think that's a if if you're indecisive chances are you're probably afraid of making the wrong decision in some regard and if yeah. you're afraid of making the wrong decision, right. there's there, then, then obviously you've either been programmed in some way right. to, to, to fear failure. Yep. But really failure should be celebrated more. I think it's almost become cliche now in our in our current you know, the last two or three years, I think it's become cliche to embrace failure, but there is something to that, to yeah. to just burn and churn if you're wrong, learn from it, move to the next thing. And, and stop being paralyzed.
1: Yeah, I think for most leaders, they failed their way to success, which is a little bit of a cliche, too. But I think that there's great strength in that learning from your failures, as long as you don't keep making
0: the same one over and over. See, again. that's the thing. Like P.J. Fleck is the new gopher football coach yeah. in town and he's saying, you know, we're going to learn from failure, and the joke is, well, the Gophers have been learning a lot the last 50 years then. They haven't been to a Rose Bowl since the 1960s. So at some point, you have to experience success, obviously. I think so. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and hopefully they're going to have a lot of success. And I think with PJ Fleck in
1: there, I think you're going to find a leader who's decisive. And I think that, you know, to that point, I think you can learn from your mistakes of the past as long as you're prepared to take those actions in the future. But again, you have to be decisive. And I think that where a lot of people miss the boat on leadership and empowering their people, which is really what we're here to do, is as leaders, we empower people, which means when you really think of that word, we transfer power, we don't hold on to it. So for me, leadership is not about the power we have over others. It's the power we give to others. And we have to give them the power to make the decisions. They want to. I know Gallup did a poll that said 72% of people are disengaged at work. I'm going to guess that those people are not receiving leadership development on a regular basis and are not empowered, are not engaged, and not enthusiastic because that's one of the roles of a leader. We do that, but we don't do it by holding on to power. We do it by transferring power, transferring authority, transferring decision-making in a way that empowers people to stick their necks out because none of us want to fail. But those boundaries of failures that a a great leader sets up for us – those are really, you know, it's like the, it's like the, um, the rails on uh, on <laughs> bowling, right? You know, so like bumper bowling, like bumper bowling, <laughs> yeah. And for us, you know, when we start off as leaders, we need a little bumper bowling. We don't need to go in the gutter all the time. Mm-hmm. And so we set those up so we build the confidence with leaders and we guide them. So much the same as a child bowling, you know, we need to take a little bit more of a proactive approach with new leaders. And help them because we don't want to see them go in the gutter every time. See the the
0: transfer of leadership, as as you phrase it, is such an interesting uh, paradigm flip for anyone who come who who either believes or comes from maybe a company culture huh. or even a, a life or family culture of hoarding hoarding sure. that power. Yeah, and and I'm sure a lot of people, who, if, if you're out there listening, you can probably think of a company you worked for, or maybe a boss that you worked for, or even an employee you worked with that thought. The key to a promotion is to show how yeah. invaluable my knowledge and that's skill right. set is. And if I can just show that when I'm on vacation, the company is screwed, then I'm going to get promoted. Well, that's but right. but but that's hurting the company. So even though in the wrong culture, you might get a promotion based off the knowledge you have that nobody else has. If the goal is to make the company better, wouldn't you want other people to be empowered that's to right. maybe do things that you're able to do? Yeah, But there's there's always an insecurity, it seems like, that prevents – uh, those bottlenecks from opening up.
1: Yeah, and I think that in those cultures, what you find is people like that, they like to say things like, here's how great I am. And they may not say it out loud, but they may infer it. What I've always preferred to say, and I think I learned this first in the Marine Corps, is here's how great we are. And that concept, and I know it's a cliche, there's no I in team, but as leaders, we really have to peel the layers back and identify what do we want to accomplish Are we really looking to put, to, put together a group of people or do we want to develop a team of leaders? And that's why I think you know, for us hitting, hitting on all cylinders today, planting leadership seeds at all levels because planting leadership seeds at all levels because there's a leader in all of us is a huge concept. It also takes more work, but it flushes out your
0: purpose as a leader. You brought up something, you know, just back to the to the transfer of power and the transfer of, um, yeah. you know, just that that sort of flow of leadership. One of my friends and I, I I don't necessarily want to bring up his company because i he didn't he didn't I didn't get the okay from him but his name is Ben and uh, Ben has been an entrepreneur since college in fact I think he was he's probably in his mid 30s now and he's been running companies since he was about sixteen or seventeen years old. And he launched a company in college. It was a it was a wedding videography company, and it wasn't really scalable because he always had to be at the weddings, and he yep. realized, i like, making money doing this, but sure. how do I create something that's more scalable? And so he pivoted to uh, uh, an online-based, scalable video company where he was creating spec videos for different types of companies. Yeah. And for the first three or four years, it was successful, and he had maybe 12 employees, but his whole mission was to know how to do everyone's job better than they could. Mm-hmm. And he realized, whether it was through a conversation with a, a fellow business, I can't remember how he had the epiphany, but his epiphany came when he felt comfortable hiring people for different positions that were smarter than he was in yes, different areas. that's huge. A producer that knows more than him, yeah. a technician that is wildly smart beyond what, what he can comprehend. And once he let go of that hoarding of power and just felt comfortable hiring people that might be that's smarter right. and might go on to run their own company in three to five years. Boom, million dollar that's a year right. accounts and lives in a massive penthouse. Not that the material things are important, right. but company took off as soon as that paradigm switched in his brain. And he probably had that
1: paradigm shift when he was completely exhausted. Yes, when you're wearing all out of the you hats. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that's, and that's huge that you bring that up. When I was at the media company and I started off entry level, I had no power. Um I just had work ethic and desire and, and all these goals and you know luckily the owner of the company had great vision. And so we complemented each other very well and he saw leadership skills in me. And more important than just seeing them in me, he wanted me to build leaders with him. And so as I grew, or let's say my power grew throughout that company, at one point everybody reported into me at some in some fashion so i reported in the owner and then the entire company reported into me through my direct reports as i grew it was in my best interest and the team's best interest and the company's best interest that i transferred power and and to do that we had to do a lot of situational leadership training. But I knew that there was a leader in everybody. I knew that given the opportunity of leading or managing, most people want to lead. Mm-hmm. Giving the opportunity of good results or great results, they want great results. And so we use leadership as a way to get there. And you brought up an important part of the hiring process, I believe. I was surrounded by people in my company that reported into me but were infinitely better. They were better editors than me, they were better engineers than me,
0: they were better at sales than me. Did you ever feel insecure? Never. And, and so I So that's that's an interesting hurdle that I think people have have a hard time getting over.
1: And and here's where I think it is and we touched down on purpose earlier. So as an executive in the company or as a leader in the company, my purpose was to transfer power to other leaders. And so when I hired or I promoted, specifically hiring, I had a choice every time I interviewed. Do I want to hire somebody that's going to be better than me or worse than me? And I made the choice early on. I'm going to hire people better than me and lead them to their goals. And so they would follow me. So I had a a followship, if you will, of people that we were all working on the same page, leader to leader, on the same um, Cohesive strategic goals mm-hmm. personal and professional and so I've always found that if I can delegate out that power that task and the authority, I'm going to build those leadership skills them and it's interesting because if you look delegate up in the dictionary, one of the definitions is to empower. So for leaders, I think sometimes we don't delegate because we don't want them to learn what we know we don't want to give up that job security. but as a leader, if your definition of being a leader is to empower people, you have to delegate. It's not a. It's not an option. It's an obligation. If you're a true leader.
0: Yeah, I suppose if your entire purpose of delegating is to clear your schedule of anything but golf, then that's that's, right. that's the that's the wrong way to go about delegating. I suppose the, the theory of of good delegation would be to empower people, and I I hate saying beneath because I I don't I don't necessarily always believe that you know vertically structured sure. power is the most productive, right? But, um. But you should you should be looking to take on greater responsibilities, which I know you and I have talked about quite a bit. There's an art to putting something on someone else's plate without them feeling like they're overworked, just like there's an art to taking something off someone's plate without that's them right. feeling like they're losing power right. in some way.
1: Right. It's a delegation as a partnership. And what I find is that most people in the workplace, they want to be challenged. They don't want you to dump your challenges on them. And that's how most of them interpret delegation when it's done wrong. Mm -hmm. But if you do it the right way, it's an empowering tool, but it's also a commitment on both parts. And I think that's where the Marine Corps gets it right. When you're planting leadership seeds in people, it's better to delegate to somebody who innately has been trained to take initiative. Because then they're coming to you in the first place asking, what can I take off of your plate? Yes. And then you can delegate it easier. It's not like pulling
0: teeth. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Well I I think just to add to what you're saying, you know, not and, and again, I have so much to learn in all these realms. So I don't want to I don't want to come off as someone who has a bunch of answers when I'm still seeking answers. But you know, we had some you know, as as our company has grown in not only just radio, but we're building these digital yep. content platforms. And when you build out digital content platforms, you need it. It can't just be all me producing everything right. and putting it. So, so now you're looking at a concrete example of having to take work so it doesn't pile up on your plate, so that you go crazy and now you're not productive anymore. At first, I think we were just assigning the extra production work to part time producers or full time producers, and they would willingly go along for a little while. Or, but but maybe they weren't showing their best work. Maybe it felt like extra work to mm-hmm. them. And then you could see the burnout taking place. And we kind of self-examined and wondered, is there a better way to to sort of put this stuff on their plates but not frame it in a way that's putting extra work on their that's plates? Right. And it and it occurred to us, you know, if it weren't for these producers rolling up their sleeves and doing yeah. these extra tasks, we wouldn't be generating the millions of extra impressions that we're right. able to generate, which means we wouldn't be able to generate the sales opportunity. Mm-hmm. So by extension, part-time producer person or full-time producer person, your work is leading to potentially thousands or millions of dollars for right. the the company. So you're, you may think that this little post-production tweak, this musical yep. ad that you're doing and this posting to a platform that it's just extra work, but... You're a huge part of this company, and this is why it's important. So don't feel like you're you're doing some menial task. Explaining why it's important.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's really one of the greater roles of a leader is that we make an impact. It could be positive or negative, but we make an impact every time we communicate a message, and we only communicate messages. So for leaders, there is no just transfer of information. That's also a vehicle for us. Even if I'm telling you, oh, here's what the numbers are. Mm I have the opportunity to intertwine a message in there to empower you to make a greater impact. And so it's interesting when you look at it, I think that where a lot of leaders confuse it is they think that they need to be a specific leader for their specific industry and that, well, this is how our industry is. And I've had the opportunity, obviously, of coaching broadcast companies, restaurants, retails, retail outlets. I've had the opportunity of coaching um, realtors, you name it. And the key is that Regardless of what industry they're in, they're in the people business. And so that's what unifies us all as leaders. And the best results we get as leaders when we make an impact in the life of somebody else. Because the, the poll that Gallup did that said 72% are disengaged is the side effect of bad leadership, But the original statistic shows that 95% of people want to be part of something special and something great. And so we can tap into that if we provide them the opportunity to be part of something special and something great. We can actually start to eliminate disengagement in the workplace. Mm -hmm. But we can't manage our way there. We have to lead our way there. And if we plant leadership seeds at all levels – then people start thinking, walking, and acting like leaders. I know
0: you were going to ask me this, but I don't have an answer for it, so I'm going to ask you this. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to flip this around on you a little bit. To what degree is leadership something that you learn versus something that's just inherent within you from a younger age? So I think that we're all impacted by the way we're raised. I think that we're impacted
1: by you know where we grow up in society. But I think ultimately, my belief level is which is good to have this belief level as a leadership coach. I believe that. Yeah, because if you believe, I guess if you believe that it wasn't teachable, then. That's right. i would be out of a job. (laughs) (laughs) So I I firmly believe that every single person is capable of becoming a leader or acting like a leader, behaving like a leader, making an impact of a leader if they make the decision. So there's the initial, there is a part where the rubber meets the road and you have to make that decision. Now, there's people who are not in leadership roles that don't make that decision. Then there's people who are in leadership roles that still don't make that decision. But I believe that everybody has the ability to learn leadership. And I feel strongly about that because I didn't show up to boot camp and I wasn't welcomed with open arms by my drill instructors saying, hey, He's finally here. He's going to teach us some things on leadership. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the case at all. They assume that we can learn leadership. They understand human psychology. And so they're not in there um, to flush out the natural-born leaders. They don't believe that those exist. They're there to develop leadership skills in everybody. Once you learn the basics, then you can go to advanced levels of leadership. You can become a visionary leader. But I think a lot of it's kind of like playing baseball. Here's the basics of baseball. Here's what makes some players great. Here's the basics of leadership. Here's what makes some leaders great. So I think that for the starting point, we're all the same. We're all on that journey together, and and there is that ability of all of us to
0: have that leader inside. You know, sometimes I think it's easy to get caught – in the weeds of the vernacular and and the verbiage, you know, yeah. we've probably used the word leader or leadership. I don't know 200 times just in the yeah. 20, 30 minutes we've been talking, but I'm almost having this epiphany as we sit here and talk, let's get rid of the word leadership. Let's just say that it's okay. It's just too vague and too nebulous of a word. Yeah. Let, let's just get it, get rid of it. If your goal in life and then parallel to that, your goal within the entity you're working in, whatever your, whatever your team mission is, if your goal is to become the best in either lane if your goal is to become 100% self actualized or 100% sure. fulfilled or your goal is to meet some um some uh, high achievement point for your for your team or company yep. bringing leadership back in as a as a word i would just describe it as the method of communication that best leads to personal and team results yeah. And so it's, leadership is really just communication. It's just better communication or communication and transparency and self-awareness that leads to personal fulfillment and team fulfillment. Is it fair to say that?
1: I think it's extremely fair to say that. And you had an epiphany that most leaders, unfortunately, don't get to. And it's the first chapter in my book, The Leadership Connection, which is clearly defined leadership. So in other words, you just came up with the definition of leadership that means, here's what it means to be a leader to me. And I have my own. And clients that I work with have to develop that. I think that if you can't define it, it's hard to achieve it. And so when we take those words and give them our own meanings to them, I think that that's where we find our greater purpose.
0: So to hone in more, I guess, then leadership to me would be acting and communicating in in the best way or in a way that best leads to personal results yeah. for goals that you're set personally and for team results or goals that you're looking to achieve. And I think what you've done is
1: started to identify, and you might wordsmith it later, but you've started to identify what your definition of being a leader is. Then you can share that with other people. So people on your team can go, okay, this is what Phil's definition is. Now I know what to expect from
0: him. I think all too often, too, we've gotten into these discussions in just the last couple of years. We've dug really deep um, at our company about, the changing media landscape and, you know, how do we maybe monetize other platforms that aren't being monetized for, you know, mm-hmm. I work at a radio company yeah. and, you know, that's, that's what we've called it, a radio company for a long time. Well, really it's, it's not necessarily a radio company. It's a communications company. We have to rethink the way that we define what we do Yes, and it helps. And this is maybe one of my amateur leadership tactics. It helps so much when you talk about defining, words, defining purposes, defining goals, to think on a macro level. That's right. Because if you can think on a macro level and, and define what it is that you want to do on a greater level, yeah. then filling in the steps to get there, it's almost like you're reverse engineering, right? That's right. So, you're backing into it. You know, so for us, yep. you know, we are here to create compelling content yep. as a company. We are here to distribute the content to as many people as possible. Yep. And then because it's it's an advertising and sales-based company, to make money off the content. Sure. So... If we're looking for potential shows or hosts or or whatever it may be, potential topics, does it fit in That's those right. bins? Is it compelling? Well, no. If it, if it's no, then we can forget about the other things. Um, okay. Well, what makes for compelling? You can go to, now you can now you can get into the granular micro right. of that bin. Okay. Well, let's say it's compelling and we know what makes it compelling and we know all the production components that are going to make it really compelling and interesting for people on whatever platform we're distributing. Okay. Yeah. How do we make people aware of it? Well, if the person that's creating the content has five followers on Twitter and no radio signal, or, you know, and, and there's no it's way to tell point. people it exists, yeah. okay, well, that's gonna be a roadblock, then we probably shouldn't take on that yeah. task. Okay, well, if, if those two things are fulfilled, then for us, the third thing should kind of come in naturally sales, right? But if you don't think about it from a macro perspective, you if you go down the path of spending 50 hours making something compelling and then you forget about the second macro item, which that's is right. are you gonna be able to tell people it exists? Well, you just wasted 50 hours creating something that no one's going to be able to consume,
1: right? And I think that that's where leaders drop the ball. When you're purpose-driven, you have that – whether it's a mission statement or a vision statement or the definition of what you need, then people can align to that. That's an area where the Marines don't have any problems. They have that identity for everything. So you could probably even finish this. The few, the proud – Okay, so you know their identity. The few, the proud, the radio broadcast. That's right, right. There, now you've created an identity here that people can live up to. Those little things create identity, and then people have to live up to that and what it means in their culture, whether it's defining what it means to be a leader, um, talking about how do we define our culture. These are all things, you know, even in the Marine Corps, their culture, it's esprit de corps. French, it's the spirit of the corps. So – That's their culture. And then they've got, here's what we expect from leaders with 14 leadership traits, 11 leadership principles. They leave no room for doubt on the expectations. But in the civilian sector, there's tons of room for doubt, and then people get confused by the message. Or maybe the message doesn't jive with the perceived purpose, and maybe the purpose has never been shared. Mm -hmm. So you're operating in in a fog all the time. And when you define leadership and start planting leadership seeds in people, the fog goes away. And the path becomes so much more clear. Even right now, you just defining your definition of what it means to be a leader internally for you gave you greater clarity on how to lead people. Sure. And when you tell them, then it gives them greater clarity on how to follow you mm-hmm. and how to duplicate you. So for us, we have a definition of what it means to be a leader at Think Great, and everybody adheres to that. And they also know what to expect from me. What's your definition? So, at ThinkRate, we believe that a leader is a person who clearly outlines a specified destination and guides people there by course correcting and adhering to the goals necessary for success. Yeah. And that's just, that's in our hearts. That's what it means to be a leader. If I deviate from that, my team can hold me accountable.
0: I think one of the, the biggest challenges, you brought up course correcting. And one of one of my personal sticking points that I'd like to iron out at some point is being able to course correct people around me, yeah. and also being able to take course correction free of yeah. insecurity. That's right, and free of feeling like you're being told something against your will. If 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 it could be, be right. transparency across the board, and if if we could look at course correction or uh, or just if we could phrase it differently, telling someone that they're doing something wrong. Sure. And let's say, <laughs> right. let's say you look
1: at it from an aviation standpoint. A pilot is never opposed to an air traffic controller telling him what direction to go in. They never say, "Hey, stop telling me what to do," and they never take it personally. But there's say, a mountain right in yeah, front. of Yeah, there's you. a mountain. I need you I've to climb and to, yeah. yeah, I need you to <laughs> climb to flight level two five zero. Stop telling me what to do. I know how to fly a plane. They don't say that because accountability from a leader has purpose. Yeah, and so even for my team, they have the authority to talk to me. Of course, they need to use just like we all do tact, which is the leadership trait. But they have the authority to say, "Hey, during this presentation, here's an area I thought you could have delivered it better." Now, because I'm passionate about my content, does it ever? Uh, you know, you have to fight the urge to take it personal because you care so much. But I have to believe in my team enough that they care about our company and our message and the impact we make so much that I listen to them. Mm-hmm. And and they're right. I could have delivered this better. I could have said this better. Or the, maybe the visual we're using could be better. So, again, I've transferred the power to them. I have to be open for them to use it.
0: Yeah, I think I think just being able to take constructive criticism or course correction – and maybe this is a, I'm, I'm technically, I am a millennial because I believe the cutoff is like 1980 birth date and I'm 1985. So I, I don't know. I, maybe I'm one of those old sage yeah. millennials. And for whatever reason, our generation, our first instinct is to question authority and, sure. and ask, well, why is it? Why are you telling me that? Are you sure that you know yeah. more than I do? And you, once you get through yeah. that and I'll never forget some of the best advice I ever received from my program director at 1500 ESPN was I so I I started doing a daily radio show when I was twenty four years old, mm. which in a top fifteen market is maybe the youngest twenty four year old. I was not ready to be doing a daily radio show necessarily at that age, but yeah. they were looking to get younger and kind of pair up the younger talent with older hosts. And I didn't like I didn't know how to structure segments really beyond just instincts and yeah. having listened to other shows and having worked in and around the industry. And my program director called me in to this is probably after a couple of years and I had been doing some solo stuff, but also co-host stuff. And uh, and he played a couple clips from of me talking on my own show, and said, "What would you do differently with that segment, huh. with what you said?" And I was so filled with rage, like, "How could you embarrass <laughs> sure. me by playing this yeah. clip? Just get to the bleeping point!" And and I failed to realize that he was trying to make me better. He wanted he he wanted to empower me to That's be right. a better host and just to i guess to finish off what the advice was i was i was always setting up my argument and then delivering my point after 5 or 10 minutes sure. so if my point was and i'll give a sports analogy let's say my point was michael jordan is not the greatest basketball player of all time well it's more compelling if you start the argument that's or right. the segment with that because people are going to then say wait a second hey how that's, can you prove that exactly instead right. of and i would it, when mm-hmm. i first started i would i would reverse it i would build a case. And then if you were still listening after I was building a case after five or (laughs) 10 minutes, and that's why Michael Jordan is not the greatest basketball player of all time, which I'm not sure I'm actually arguing that, but it's just an example. Sure. But I'll never forget the feeling of being personally attacked by a superior in this room. Like, are you, are you criticizing me? What is this? And really it was just, it was just him trying to make me better, but to get past that initial wave of emotion of someone's telling you, you're not actually as good as you might think you are. That is an issue when it comes sure. to, to uh leadership. But you know, I think I think also too is that
1: when you look at that scenario, the reason that you felt that way is perhaps the order that he went in. You know, he's asking you the question, but you didn't understand the purpose of the question prior to asking it. Sure. And so for me, when I when I transferred power to my team and said, You can critique me on this. I know what's coming, and I know the reason for that. And there's actually a leadership principle for the Marine Corps. It says know yourself and seek self-improvement. That's one of the unwavering laws or the principles or the rules of the Marine leader. So – and that that one is actually applicable whether you're a private or you're a four-star general is to know yourself and seek self-improvement. So they are very open. Now, of course, if you're telling a four-star general how to be better, I would highly recommend using TACT. Yeah. <laughs> However, they have to be open for it. So once again, it's leadership at all levels. But like you said, communication is our tool. So we have to communicate that I'm going to provide you feedback so that you can be better, so that you can hit the goals that you want. And I think that's what's lacking. I think you hit the nail on the head. It, in today's day and age, yes, more people question authority. But I think – there's less authority transferred. I think there's less of a focus of developing the leader in front of the person, you know, the person in front of you. So we're just telling them things. We're not sharing a message with them. And that has a negative impact.
0: Yeah, it's no longer now that anyone can go on to the Internet and question anything. Uh, you know, I, I grew sure. up in a generation, and, and everyone younger than me grew up in a generation where you could instantly combat a lie or a half That's truth right. that was told to you by seeking knowledge on the internet. Yeah. And so it's almost like your instinct is to always question and so you almost have to be mindful of that as a leader if you're communicating or course correcting with That's right. you it's it really is, you know, I I used to play poker and so I used to I used to pay rent for 5 or 6 years through through online poker. <laughs> and it's sort of like you there's level 1 thinking which is what are my cards. Mhm. What do I have? Oh, I have ace-king. Okay, that's level one thinking is understanding what hand you have. Do I have a flush? Do I have a straight? Yep. Level two thinking is what is the person across from me projecting that they might have or how they might Mm -hmm. feel? Okay, so not only do I know what I have, but I'm now trying to get a read on what that person's line of thinking is in this situation or what their line of, in this case, betting would be. And the third level on top of that is what does that person think that I'm projecting? That's right. And you can keep going up that ladder. And that's why when you're watching on ESPN, sometimes you wonder why are they both bluffing each other for millions of dollars? Because okay. they're out, they're thinking on levels they're four way and five. They're at that different level. But in leadership, you have to, you have to account for level two, level three as well. Before I communicate with this person, what might they think of my communication? How have they been receptive or not to my communication yeah. in the past? Might I have right. to tweak the way I communicate? And then, and then think that way for everyone that you would be in communication with. And I think would have thought that poker could teach leadership. Like I, I, I I learned something new
1: every day. (laughs) Well, and I think that it's you know everybody's different. So I have people on my team. They're yes, they're all people. Yes, they're all on my team. Yes, they're all dedicated to the. They're just they're different people. And so while the majority of the communication is the same, there's some communication that's different based on the person. But interesting enough, you still go back to the Marine Corps principles. And one of them is know your Marines and look out for their welfare, which yeah. means that they're just not robots. You're just not barking orders at them. And I think it's it's interesting to say this. The Marines get leadership right. And they get it right because they actually understand the human psychology. So a lot of people may think, all right, well, it's just Marines. They're just barking orders and dragging knuckles. They actually invest the time to understand their people so they get greater results through their people. And I think it's interesting – If it didn't work, they wouldn't do it because the Marines have a high commitment to excellence. And so they've studied what works and what doesn't. Planning leadership seeds works. And so they continue to do it. So in other words, they increase their chances for success by developing the leader in everyone, Mm -hmm. not just someone, but everyone. And when I was in, I was trained to be an air traffic controller. So they taught me my job. But before I ever went in the tower... Before I ever talked to a plane, I was developed as a leader, so I believed in myself. Yeah,
0: I believe – I think I heard this from you for the first time. You, ma- management is sort of the it's, – it's more a- admin or tangible, teachable duties. Yeah, manage the work and lead the people. Sure, manage the work, lead yep. the people. So, so leadership is people-driven, and management yeah. is task or, Process or driven. project sure. process-driven. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I think people get it confused. They try and manage their people when people want to be led – And when you talk about leading people and you say, well, what do they want? Well, they want to be inspired. They want to be motivated. They want to be communicated to dynamically. They want to be delegated to. They want to be empowered. They want to be engaged. And yet we're trying to manage them. And we think that because we sent them to a training, we're leading them. Or because we set up their shift schedule, that we're their leader. We just manage the schedule. We just manage training. We manage budgets. We manage inventory. We manage stuff. But people are different, and we accomplish our results through people.
0: Yeah, and if you're and if you're going off of, you know, that sort of mantra of manage workload, lead people. To take that a step further, then you should be able to teach a lot of the workload related items. Now, I don't think you can just Absolutely. teach anyone to fly a plane, for instance. So, with, within reason, obviously. Yep. But uh, to to go back to you know the start of the podcast thirty forty minutes ago. Um, one of the Steve Jobs anecdotes that I love is he would be in a restaurant, mm-hmm. and if the waitress or the waiter, there was a specific story about a waitress or a waiter, dynamic communication. Uh, you could just tell that there was a a, a, a high IQ, personality, sure. really good with people, and on the spot, Steve Jobs, I believe it was Steve Jobs, said, "I want to hire you wow. for to do what? I don't know yet, but we want you as part That's of right. our culture." So we want to hire you, the person. Well, what am I going to do? I, I don't know. We'll be able to teach you something. That's right. It's, it's more important to hire that person oh, than yeah. to hire a, a stack of resumes with a bunch of tasks laid out. I'd rather have enthusiasm
1: over experience. Experience you can train faster than enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's interesting because you were talking about knowing your job, but you still hire people better than you. And you know, you go back and you look at what the core has done. And again, one of their leadership principles is to be technically and tactically proficient. So you still have to know your stuff. you got to keep your Marines informed. There's all these rules of leadership that they Mm -hmm. just don't violate. We could do this again sometime. We should do it again sometime. What an amazing episode today. It's so great to be able to talk about leadership, not have a formal agenda, but just come in and talk about the challenges leaders face and the solutions that we have as leaders because there's a leader in all of us. I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you to plant leadership seeds, not only in yourself, but in your team members. Hey, it was absolutely great having Phil Mackey on our show today. Just having him invest time today and share his insights on leadership was so powerful. And I want to thank everyone listening right now. Thanks for taking this journey with us. For making the commitment to achieving greater results and for being open to new ideas. For being open to being a greater leader. For more information about Think Great, please visit us at thinkrate 90com and give us a five-star review on Podcast One and iTunes. Embrace the day and think great.